0: Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast, a show for accountants using technology to make their jobs more
1: strategic and impactful. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. So David, how was your week? Mm, pretty good. I don't think I did, I did anything. But I, I was watching you on social, though. I think you did something this week, right? You traveled very far.
0: Yeah, you traveled very far to downtown LA, which uh, it's it's not a, not a trip that you make unless you have a good reason to go there from the San Fernando Valley. Uh, I was with Flowcast at the accounting and finance show L.A., which was at the convention center downtown on Wednesday and Thursday.
1: So they moved that show then because I think before it was always at the Hilton at the airport.
0: Yes, used to be at the Hilton at the airport, this time at the convention center. Um, Interesting event. I've never been to a conference where everything was all in one room. So all of the keynotes, all of the breakout sessions were all in small areas within the expo hall in the different corners of the expo hall. And so uh, during the keynote it was fine because only one person was speaking, but during the breakout sessions it got pretty noisy um, because you had people competing basically f- uh, for to be heard. What, what I did like about it was that there was tons of traffic, people going to meet with the vendors, see the booths, because you had to do that in order to get from one place to another. And it was kind of nice too because you could go and peek in on a session and just listen for a little bit but if you didn't want the CPE or you weren't really that interested you could just walk away so I, I like the informal nature of it i i like that a lot did you speak at all or did you just uh work at the flowcast booth and like no no booth duty for me i was uh, speaking at i spoke at um in the afternoon on the first day and we talked about best practices for the month and close our favorite topic at flowcast uh and it was great um we, we got grouped up. Um, it was originally a 30-minute presentation, and because of the CPE requirements, we combined forces with a, uh, a consultant named Chris Doxy over on the East Coast. And so she uh, shared her best practices about process from her amazing career in with big companies and mid-sized
1: companies. So it Ended up being really great. Oh, it sounds awesome. Yeah, uh, it's interesting because I know that show is uh, in a transition year, right? I think it's moved uh, from one owner to a new owner, and, and then and I think that was the same with the New York City one as well. So, uh, from a branding perspective, I think they're coming on strong. I've, uh, you yeah. know, I've definitely noticed like every photo always has that same background. You know, the, and the blue background. Is it called Accounting Technology NYC or Accounting Technology
0: LA? Is that- Accounting and Finance Show LA? Accounting and Finance Show NY. That's it. Right. And- okay. Um, it's free. We forgot to mention the most important part is that the whole model is that uh, anyone can go for free. It's free CPE. And I think that having everything all in one room is what makes that possible, right? Because it's probably very affordable to put it together. So I I like it. This is part of a trend where, you know, CPE tends to be going
1: toward free, it seems like. Maybe that'll be a whole other topic one of these days. So in the meantime, while you're going to conferences, I feel like Tons of stuff happened this week. Like, last week was short and sweet. We knocked out three news stories, like nothing. I feel like there's just a lot of stories that happened this week. So if you want, we can jump in. Let's do it. First of all, I guess we'll jump in. Uh, NetSuite had an outage this week. I don't know if you saw that.
0: Yes, and we have a ton of customers on NetSuite. So we were very, very aware of that. Seven, over seven hours um, all day for some folks.
1: So how does it, does this affect even like your app? Like your app can't um, communicate to NetSuite through the APIs?
0: I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if it affected the API, but um, I mean, definitely if you're on Flowcast and you're using NetSuite, you, you really can't do anything uh, without having your ERP. Uh, it's hard to do reconciliations and whatnot. The thing that's, I mean, this is just one of those things that's inevitable when you're in the cloud and it's we just have to accept it as a, a reality. I mean, ideally it wouldn't be a whole day, but you're going to have unexpected downtime. My, my feeling is that it's just, it's worth it anyway, even if that happens. The problem with, with these these outages is that sometimes the response by the company isn't the best and the customers are left in the dark. And unfortunately, NetSuite didn't communicate on social media about what was going on or what was happening. They didn't, you know, they didn't even acknowledge that there was an outage until they had fixed it at like 7 or 8 p.m. Pacific time. So there were people on Twitter complaining about this, getting upset. And I, you know, I'd be upset too, if I didn't know anything. Right. It actually reminds me of when the power went out here in LA and LADWP wasn't telling people when it was going to come back on.
1: Yeah. And I, th- I think that's a, a learning curve, right? Like, um, I remember we had a really bad summer. It might've been 2012, maybe even 2011, uh, just a bad set of circumstances. We lost the data center in San Diego. Uh, so, so we, we may, we actually had like a, mistake was made in the data center right some something got shut off and then literally two weeks later a car crashed in some power inverter in san diego and knocked the data center out again and i don't think we were really as a company into it was really good at communicating outages right yeah. and but you're right it is a it's a learning curve where you have to be open and transparent and explain hey here's what's happened things are down you're not crazy you, something is not working Yep. And we're working on it to get it fixed and, and build that confidence back up. Um, plus, plus, it helped with uh, it forced us to become multi redundancy. And like, obviously, we talked about last week, which is last week's news, right? Which is, you know, number of things removed moved to Amazon, et cetera. Yep. Um, well, and
0: and I think this is a lesson for not just developers of software, but it's a common sense for anyone. If you're a CPA in private practice, or I should say public practice, and you go on vacation, you want to make sure that you let everyone know that you're not going to be responding to their emails immediately, right? Or if you're all day at a conference, put up that away message. Just be in communication when you're not available or you're not able to get work done. It it makes people a lot more comfortable. Definitely don't there was kind of a funny thing that happened um, on their Twitter, which is that the same day that they had the outage, the NetSuite team—maybe they had like pre-scheduled this tweet—they uh, tweeted out a story about uh, called Four Common Causes of a Sluggish E-Commerce Website." Saying, <laughs> "You know your site is slu- slu- you know your site is sluggish, but what's slowing it down? Here are some common triggers." And to do that on the same day that you're having an outage, you know, some of the replies to that were uh, were kind of both frustrating and and funny in retrospect.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the, the lesson to be learned of uh, pre-scheduled social media tweets. Uh, they, they very quickly can be out of context. Some major yes. event in the world happens, and usually like a fool.
0: Yeah, turn those off when something happens. So uh, enough about outages. Let's talk about some some fun news in the cloud accounting world.
1: I don't have anything fun this week, so hopefully you do. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have anything fun this week, um, no. Actually, there, there, are none of them. None, none, actually, none of them. Actually, there's one thing that's impressive, but nothing's fun. Well, okay, let's go to impressive then. Okay, uh, something that was kind of impressive this week. Uh, Google announced, so everybody knows about security and phishing, and we've talked about different security breaches that have happened in the past on this show right before. But Google, um, the last uh, eighteen months or so, have been using hardware-based uh, YubiKeys keys. For their employees, and they have not had one of their eighty-five thousand employees have not been fished. Their password has not been fished since they started using these hardware-based keys. And I thought that was just really, 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 an am- kind of an amazing thing that you know, not all the Google employees, nobody got successfully fished. So, for those
0: who aren't familiar, what what is a UB key?
1: So a UB key. Um, coincidentally, if people want, we'll put the link in. I happen to have so- somebody. Uh, a UB, we, we did UB Keys 101 on the developer hangout earlier today, about two hours ago. So I'll get the link to you so we can stick that in for the YouTube video. But essentially it's um, a next level of hardware authentication. So if you think... Uh, a site with just a username and password is a low level of level of authentication. Then if you want to have a site where you sign in, and then it sends you the text that two factor authentication, this is kind of like another third level of authentication where you have to have a physical key. So like I said, uh, earlier, today, I kind of use the analogy like it won't stop your your corrupt uncle who's in your house from possibly getting hold of your key and signing into a website. But it'll stop People five thousand miles away on the other side of the planet from getting in because they don't have this physical. It's literally it's a physical key you put on your keychain,
0: and it 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 plugs into your USB drive.
1: Oh yeah, sorry. That, yes, that's true. I forgot how it actually touches your computer.
0: Yeah, you yeah. don't turn it in a lock. It's a it's a, basically a, it looks like a little USB drive, and you plug it in, and it allows you to log into those websites. And the thing that I was on the um, Hangout this morning, the stat that astounded me was that. 81% of security breaches occur because of weak or compromised passwords. And multi-factor almost completely mitigates that problem. I mean, you still need to be using strong passwords, don't get me wrong, but if you have a weak password, a hacker cannot get in just by guessing your password. They also have to have that key that you physically possess.
1: I mean, that's what happened with Podesta, right? And the whole Hillary Clinton emails, like, and all that stuff. He got fished. Yep. Like, I, like it's it, it's it's world and history changing getting fished. so that's why i say it's amazing the fact that nobody was successfully fished is pretty a uh, testament to this next layer of security that you know and the reason i like reached out i actually before i even saw this news i was already reaching out to ubq because i know we've talked about the deloitte stuff and deloitte's forcing people to have a two-factor authentication on any apps that work with the any companies that work with Deloitte, right? And, or they're making them use their Active Directory type stuff or SAML. But like, I'm, my opinion is like, oh, for accountants and small businesses, like this is next. Like you're going to have to start getting to this next layer of security to protect yourselves. And then just coincidentally, you know, I had this thing hang out on the Friday and then the story broke this week, which is really amazing.
0: Yeah, so for everyone listening, the big takeaway is if you are uh, managing an accounting team, Make sure that your team is using multi-factor authentication to log into all of your business critical applications, email, your ERP, all that good stuff. You can do it with a key, a physical device like a YubiKey, or you can also do it with an authenticator app. So there are different apps you can have your team download on their phone, like Google Authenticator, LastPass Authenticator, 1Password has one. And uh, what that app does is it generates a random code that's synced up with your login. And and so in order to log in, you need your password and you need the code that is currently displayed on your phone. So the phone becomes the key, right? So the takeaway, use multi-factor. Do not expose yourself to this huge
1: risk of security breaches. Yeah. And and I think even two-factor with the texting is always everything. everything, Nothing is perfect, right? Somebody could always try to break in. So... No, no, no second factor is is not great. But if you have second factor, that's great. But then if you can do a hardware key or you sit an authenticator app, that's another layer. Right. And so to think about it's like for especially for accountants. Right. And bookkeepers and people that are probably listening to this show. You this is not you're not protecting your Spotify account here. Like this is you, you have your client's data and you have to take this this extra level of security seriously.
0: Yep, definitely.
1: I don't know. Let's hold off on your fun thing, because let's just. Move on to another article, which is completely security related. Um, so, the comply right—I think many people may have used them for their W twos and ten ninety nine processing. They, uh, one of the products I think that's a little bit—they're uh, more in market brand is um, eFile for Biz. I think a lot of people are familiar with that as their brand I know they're on they're on all the app marketplaces they're on appscom so they're an app that integrates with software but they apparently have were compromised and had a breach and so that's an article that uh, we'll get in there um, obviously there's a lot of analyst uh, analysis here but I don't know how much we can, can't speak to it because I'm definitely not a, an expert on that level of the, uh, the, of the what the breach is. But um, I think it's a perfect example of, you know, somebody somewhere probably did not have the right level of passwords on their stuff.
0: Yeah, I'm not totally familiar with what the issue was here. It sounds like they had uh, their website got compromised. And so that the information that companies or accountants were entering uh, into this website with social security numbers, um, uh, addresses, amounts for 1099 processing, those got uh, that got hacked. Right, so their database. It doesn't matter that their database was secure; it's the website interface was not secure. I think the the lesson here is that it's important to carefully select and choose your vendors, and make sure that they have some sort of security audit going on that they're using the latest. Uh, methods of protecting their website and their application. Because in this case, it's a lot of critical information, social security numbers, addresses that people can use to file fraudulent tax returns or steal your identity. If if you don't already have a credit lock uh, on your account, chances are most people in this country at this point have had their social security number stolen. It's kind of crazy that this has happened, but there have been so many security breaches recently, it's likely that you, the listener, you have your social security number out there somewhere. So I personally, um, after one of the latest data breaches, I went and I put my uh, credit files on freeze at all of the major credit bureaus. So I have to opt in to unfreeze it so that I can you know, get a, a loan or whatnot. Um, two perks to that, or two benefits to that. First of all, it's harder for me to actually go open a line of credit because I have to do something. So I'm less likely to go <laughs> just open random cards, which is good. Uh, second is that uh, somebody who has my information, even if they have it, they can't go open up a credit card. They can't go buy something and get credit using my information.
1: There might be another implication here for accountants and bookkeepers, because I, th- I think what happened is ComplyRight started informing people of the breach, but nobody knew who the hell ComplyRight was, right? If, 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 if my account or bookkeeper filed my 1099 with ComplyRite, I don't know. I have no clue. So if I get a letter from Copyright, like stating that there was a breach and my data was exposed, my first question is, who are you and why did you have my data? Oh, so yeah. there might have to be where, there might, you know, I think maybe accountants and believers might have to start thinking about a policy of really disclosing when you are using these other apps, who might have their data? Because people did that's the, I think I saw, their, the people didn't know who this company was when they started getting notified of the breach.
0: Right, yeah, so that's the complexity is that, Somebody, your accountant, uh, your controller, a company that you work for as a contractor, used ComplyRite to file your 1099 or send you your 1099. You have no connection to ComplyRite, but your data has been breached and they have notified you and you have no idea why you're getting notified now. Um, I'm I'm curious if any of the accountants who have used ComplyRite could face potential liability.
1: I don't I, So far, it's been very quiet in our space. I think I saw one Facebook post about this. I'm, I'm actually, which I'm actually surprised about um, because maybe it's just a
0: sign that it's gotten so common, right? We've accepted that security breaches happen and nobody cares anymore. I guess <laughs> we should probably just title this episode, the security episode, right? Cause uh, yeah, it's yeah. been about complacency wins. <laughs> yeah. It's been about security breaches and websites going down. So Uh, all the ways that the cloud can fail you today on the cloud accounting podcast.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I I think there's, uh, if you, I don't know if you want me to keep going or if you want to jump into your, uh, your fun art thing, we can, uh, I'm just so depressed now. I think
0: I'm just going to go and maybe start my weekend early.
1: All right. So, so here's something else that's down. Like, let's just continue on. Let's just, yeah, let's keep going down. Uh, so everybody knows uh, Hector Garcia if you don't know who Hector Garcia, I'd bet money that you've probably watched one of his QuickBooks YouTube videos. They've had 3.3 million views, 500 plus YouTube videos. Apparently this morning, he his whole channel just got taken off of YouTube. No warning, no nothing. Wait, like you go to the channel, it's not there. Yeah, like this channel does not exist. Wow. So, he, I mean, he, since uh, 2012, I think, he's posted his first YouTube video. He does two to three a week. Like, um, a it's the, it's some of it's his business model. He uses those YouTube videos in a way to get new clients for his accounting firm. But not only that, tons of other accountants that are out there use his videos, like to send to a client, like how do you handle a bounce check in QuickBooks? Hector has a video on that. And they might send that to their client to handle the bounce check in QuickBooks correctly. And so this is a huge ripple effect, I think, in our space it, um, beyond the fact that like, OK, they just pull somebody down for no reason. But the fact that the who they pull down and the volume of those videos and how many people use those as a resource is a huge ripple effect and impact. And let's
0: be clear here. Uh, Hector is saying that they did not give him a reason for this.
1: No, no uh, phone call, no warning, no indication that this was going to happen. It just got pulled down. Um, Apparently, it was a breach community guidelines, or I forget the term he used. It
0: was some sort of generic. They gave him some sort of generic notice about breaching community guidelines, but they didn't say exactly what it was. And he can't actually get somebody on the phone. So he had to fill out a form, and it looks like it's going to take him two to four weeks if they'll even get him back online. So this is I think this brings up a, a great point, and tie this back to all the stuff going on with Facebook right now with these tech monopolies that are starting to develop, really they already exist. Are we, is it, how can we protect ourselves when so much of our business is all in these platforms? And if they go down, then we're done. And so Hector's business, he might be out of business forever if they don't, if they don't um, put him back on YouTube. I, I mean, would he go build all those YouTube videos up again? Probably not. Same thing with the, the NetSuite outage. Like we, we got to figure out if we're going to leverage the power of the cloud, how do we protect ourselves?
1: Well, yeah, I think there's that, that redundancy thing. I think I saw even um, somebody that was, somebody got hacked on Instagram. Uh, asked, um, I think it was a friend of the wife's, and she made a really drastic post about it, like how, you know, it was the end of the world. And I think, so I the, the, there's going to be a perspective on this types of things, right? Like, like Hector, this is his business, and it got, and all his eggs were in one basket. To some extent right and now these get taken down and that's re- got to be crazy scary yeah. but then other things that maybe aren't as important but even still people are putting all their eggs in one basket so then if something happens like that's it yeah. and but you know and, and you're right they're all in these cloud companies they're all in these things even our email right and things like that but people can spin up their own email stuff yeah. servers you can spin up your own website to put your photos on well, so like you don't have to defend on these platforms here's,
0: here's an idea as a way that like without doing a lot of work because that's Spinning up your own email server, man—that's a lot of work, right? Um, So, just here's an idea: if you want to sort of create some redundancy in your cloud, uh, you could. Every time you get an email that has important information that you're going to save, like forward that to another service, right? Forward that into Evernote. That's what I do. So, I have all my critical emails in Evernote with information that I that I really need. Um, Another example is if you're uploading videos to YouTube and you don't want to be uh, stuck with YouTube and, and dependent on them is also upload them to Vimeo or another site or your own site. Save them somewhere accessible, where if if you get banned for some reason, you have another option.
1: Well, I think even with this this podcast, I think I have it, it automatically gets saved to Dropbox as we're recording it. But then I copy them to my OneDrive as well. And then you upload them to the to the internet, right? And And then you have copies. So it's, yeah, you definitely want some sort of redundancy, um, especially for something that's super mission critical.
0: Well, and another great example is if you're a CPA or a, a CFO and you're, you're on your own, you're a consultant, got your own firm, um, don't rely on channels like LinkedIn and Facebook for all of your marketing, have your own website where you own the domain and you own the hosting so that, that's not going to go down, right? That is your, that's the place where you put everything and you syndicate it out onto social media, onto these big tech companies that could arbitrarily ban you for any reason. And that way, yeah, it still hurts if like you get taken down from Facebook for whatever reason, some arbitrary reason, but you've got your own website still there. And that's the primary place where you direct people.
1: So, so just to summarize, you're saying create your own content, host your own content, Keep your content under your control and then propagate it out to these other sites. So if one of these sites has a hiccup, they go out of business, they don't exist anymore, your content still exists and you just have it also existing on seven other places.
0: Yes. And I would say that um, in terms of accounting software like ERP software, uh, QuickBooks, whatever, is make it part of your month end close process where you are exporting your key data every month into a format that you can back up and save and have accessible in case you need it at least on a yearly basis which is what i do so i export my general ledger for my own personal accounting and tax information into google drive every year right and that way if, if i lose my account i'm good
1: that's an interesting strategy and i remember back in the tech support days with quickbooks uh quickbooks for windows like this is going way back you know for me you know before you were born, Blake, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, I remember uh, that we would tell that to customers. They're like, get yourself a notebook, right? And at the end of every month, you make a backup they're three and three and a half inch floppies. You put them in that notebook. You print out your profit loss. You put out your balance sheet, right? And you put that in there for that month. And then you do the same next month. So you have this always this like aged backup. So if worst case scenario things happen and you keep that notebook somewhere else, right? So there's a fire or some the worst case scenario. At least you have you could go back 30 days. And if those disks are bad or something went wrong, you go back to 30 days before yeah. that, right? And so, but that's, you're doing that same model. You're just doing it in a more modern way. Yeah, that's a great point, right? We, we've been backing up
0: forever, right? Ever since the invention of the personal computer, people have advised that you back up your data off your hard drive onto some other media. And we were doing it on floppies. We were doing it on rewritable CDs. And then we got in the cloud and suddenly people thought, oh, we don't need to back up anymore. Not true, You definitely need to have an emergency backup, and you need to figure out when it's good to do that, have redundant systems, right? Um, Let's say your online store goes out. You're on Shopify or something, and it goes out. Do you have a way that you could still fill orders if you had to for a day or two? What if your point of sale goes down in your store? Do you have an emergency way to charge customers? Have a backup credit card terminal. Right. Uh, have us uh, if you are not using Square, let's say you're using some other merchant service, have a Square, uh, one of those things you plug into your phone so that you could charge customers in the event of an emergency.
1: Yeah, that's a, a good point, I think, is is how do you, you know, all, not having all your eggs again in one basket. Right. Like you might have to have a backup merchant service account. Right. Or, you know, hey, I, if they, or at least think about it and, and this is something an opportunity I guess, for your account. Accountants out there, right? Do you ha- have you worked with your clients on a disaster recovery type situation yep. plan? Yeah, like, like if their retail and their point of sale goes down, or they can't do their internet goes down, how do they make money? How do they charge customers? Um, they don't want to just put a sign up that's closed. So yeah, this is a good exercise. I think accountants could do with their clients for sure.
0: It's a great consulting opportunity. Definitely come up with some sort of service offering around that. And if you're not in public accounting, let's say you're um, in corporate, this. Exercise still applies to you, right? You need to make sure that your systems are redundant in some capacity. So, actually, that's one of the benefits of cloud storage that I recommend to people. If you know using Box or or, or Dropbox, for instance, is that uh, you can sync those files to your local hard drive. So, if if those services go out for a day or two, uh, you still can work on the local files, and then they um, sync back when it comes back online. Uh, we, d- we just had that question at the show. Uh, and I think that's a great benefit.
1: Yeah, I definitely sync my stuff to my local hard drive uh, 100%. Everything's in both spots for sure. So I do have another article, but I think I want to, so we can actually have enough time to talk about it correctly. And I'll just preview it for next week. But there's a interesting article from Accounting Today about a career path is longer for women in accounting. And I want us to take definite time to talk about it properly, not rush through it. So let's hold that one off until next week. Um, and if you want to jump out and you said you finally have something fun, like, let's just do yours now. Like I'm done being the Debbie Downer here. Oh no,
0: I, I'm, I, I actually forgot what that was. So (laughs) it was, this, this was all security. This was all, um, the challenges of the cloud, but how you can protect yourself. That's, let's let's leave it at that this week.
1: You promised me this fun thing and that's it? You're just leaving the
0: listeners hanging? I, I blame you, David. It's it's your fault. You did too much too much uh,
1: serious stuff this week. <laughs> well, I, I guess people will have to uh, subscribe so they don't miss next week. If anybody um, wants to get a hold of us, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Tweet at me. I'm at Blake T. Oliver or connect with me on LinkedIn. Okay, or you can tweet at me. I'm at David Leary. Um, please subscribe so you don't miss next week. Cause obviously Blake is going to find this missing link. That's so fun that he promised us a half hour ago that we'd have and we'll <laughs> go from there. Thanks everyone. Look forward to talking to you again, David next week. Awesome. Later Blake. Bye everybody. Bye.